Get your Bibles open, if you would, to Matthew 6, verse 6. And I want to give you another lifeline today. But before I do, let me take a moment just for some accountability. How many of you are actually pursuing Jesus as I started this year? Wave at me, all right, if you are. Okay, that's encouraging, kind of. Um, what are the rest of you doing? Is anybody reading their Bible on a regular basis? Because you, all right. Is anybody talking to God like you actually like him? All right, that's good. Is anybody praying the, the Psalms? Come on, Charlie, how many did you knock off this week? You're on the 33rd? And that was only after two weeks, right? So you're reading ahead. So you're going for it. All right, good. Are any of you meditating on what you're reading and something comes alive in your heart and you're, you're chewing on it? Anybody doing that? We had a little Bonnie Visek sitting right here, and I did the same thing first service, and she said, Pastor, and she jumped up, she, her Bible popped open, she started reading from the Psalms about how God delivers us from the miry clay and from the pit, and she starts crying, and she said, God did that in my life, and she knew the exact date, and she knew the exact time of day, and she's crying, and when she read that verse, it awakened in her heart how much she loves Jesus and how much Jesus loves her, and she chewed on that verse. See, that's what I'm talking about. The whole goal of all this is not information in our heads, but transformation in our hearts. I mean, you know, you can read the Bible for information and still be mean and selfish and nasty. I know this by experience. <laughs> All right. Or you can read the Bible and meditate on the word and let it get from here to here and let it warm and create a fire in your heart to where you love Jesus and you want to change and you want to be like him and you want to please him. Everybody know the difference. So we're, these lifelines only work if you grab a hold of them. And so I'm throwing these out to you. These are my lifelines to you as a congregation to say, please practice Please try doing these things. Please make room in your life to make these things a part of your life. Why? Because what's the goal again? Godliness. What are we pursuing? We're pursuing Jesus. We want to be like him. We want to be like the Father. That's our goal. So that God can flow through us, use us, touch other people, be a blessing. Are you all with me? That's what, and, and this is not something that happens just when you pray a prayer. Like if you come to the altar, I want to give my life to the Lord. This, does, this stuff does not happen because you prayed. This happens because Christ came into you and gave you the grace and the desire to pursue him. And then you have to do these things. You have to read your Bible. You don't have to, but I'm saying if you want the benefit from it, you have to crack the Bible open. Does everybody know what I'm talking about? You have to talk to God. You can't have a relationship with somebody that you don't talk to. I mean, that's silly, isn't it? And yet Christians all over the world are trying to have a relationship with a God to whom they never talk to. That's silly. You have to talk to God. You have to build a relationship with him. And so I'm going to give you a lifeline this morning that is powerful. It's the lifeline called the secret place. And I want to read in Matthew 6, 6, first from the New Living Translation. And then I want to read from the New King James where it has the phrase secret place actually in the text. All right, listen to this. Follow along with me. But when you pray, Jesus speaking here, when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in private. And then your Father, who sees everything, will reward you. Listen to the King James. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, 
pray to your Father who is in the secret place, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Let's just work through this text because it's jam-packed full of some practical teachings on the secret place that I want you to get. First of all, notice it says when you pray, not if you pray. How many of you figured out if you are a son or daughter of God Almighty, he wants a relationship with you, and he's assuming that you're communicating? Now, parents get frustrated with this because sometimes we'll talk to our children and we don't get a response. Has anybody ever had that once or twice in your life? And then it becomes an opportunity for us to do some training. Like, hi, how was your day at school? Hello, are you out there? Um, echoes of my own voice. So we have to say, time out, your father is speaking to you and I want to know how you're doing. Isn't it amazing that your heavenly father has an expectation on our lives that you will talk to him because he loves you and he wants to hear your voice and he wants to communicate with you. So not if you pray, but if you're a Christian, there's an expectation God has on you that you indeed are talking to him. And I want you to put this in the context of a father uh, a father who wants relationship with you, and I think it makes more sense. So when you pray, notice that's the when. Let's talk about the where. The Bible says here, go away. Everybody say, go away. Don't tell your neighbor to go away, but you need to get away and prepare yourselves to hear and obey the Lord. In other words, you have to put yourself in an environment where your heart is postured towards heaven and where you can listen to the Lord. I love this, that even in the midst of the chaos of life, the noise of the crowd, all the constant distractions, God's saying, if you want to connect with me effectively, you've got to get away. Does anybody besides me deal with the constant, uh, I guess, invitations to distraction that are all around us? I mean, I, I just read where the typical person with a cell phone will look at their phone and interact with their phone 110 times a day. Now, this is crazy. If you... I mean, and I have a cell phone, and I'm probably guilty I haven't counted, but I'm sure some days I'm worse off than others. But I've, ta- I've talked to my kids about this. When you're studying, get rid of your phone. Because you cannot master the content of what you're studying while you're answering 13 text messages and posting a picture on Instagram or whatever. It just doesn't work that way. There are times when you have to shut your phone off And you have to go away. We don't all have the luxury sometimes of going far away because there's life. I get it. But back in the day, like if you lived in an agricultural environment, how many of you know going out for a walk in the pasture was a great way to connect with God? Or if you lived in the mountains, going on a mountain hike. Or if you live in the woods, going out in the woods. Come on, Aaron, did you feel that one from Colorado? Come on. Not too many mountains around here, but you get get my point. We have to go on vacation to go for a mountain hike. But anyway... Or this morning, I got up early, I went away. What was that? I went into my living room. It wasn't that far away, but no one was in my living room. And I watched the snow, and I watched the icicles, and I turned my fireplace on, and it was really quiet early in the morning. I went away. You have to find a place to get away from the distractions that are around you. Or else, here's what, you cannot hear the voice of God when your life is filled with distractions. Can anybody say amen to that? Notice it says, go away. This is where we get into trouble too. By yourself. Some of us, if we're honest, we don't like being alone. 
In fact, in this day of all the activity, you can even be alone but not alone. You could be playing video games with 14 people from around the nations of the world. You're alone in your room, but you're not alone. Many people don't like to be alone. And I think the reason we don't like to be alone is because, you know what, when we're alone in the presence of God, it's just me and him. And how many of you know God has a way of exposing our nakedness, so to speak? Have you ever felt distant from God? Or have you ever been living in a certain way that you know is not pleasing to God? The last person you want to be alone with is yourself and God. I mean, I get it. But how many of you know good things happen when we get alone by ourselves? No distractions. And we start to look at the condition of our own soul. And you know, those getting alone times are so good because we've all been dry. We've all felt distant from God. We've all been hurt or wounded. How many of you know, too, sometimes we get just twisted a little bit. You know, you might have had a situation at work where you're angry or you're hurt, or you might have something going on in your marriage or your family. And the Bible says we have to watch out that roots of bitterness don't get into our heart and, and defile us. So why is it good to be alone with God all by yourself? Because God has a way of, of gently pointing those things out because he loves us so much. You can't hide when you're alone with God. You know, I shared last week when I wrestled There's the good thing about wrestling and the bad thing about wrestling. The bad thing about wrestling is that you're on a mat with one opponent, and it's just you and him. You cannot blame anybody on your team because it's just you. If you get pinned, you're not blaming your team because you're the only one out there. When you're one-on-one with God, there's nobody to blame. It's just you and God. And it can be scary and exciting all at the same time. So I want to encourage you, go away, get alone, you and the Lord, and open your heart up to him and let him begin to speak to you. It says here as well, shut the door. What does shut the door mean? Shut the door means shut the door to distractions. You know, in our house, I teach my children when the door is shut, any door is shut, doesn't matter what door is shut, that is a sign that you are not given access If a door is shut, you knock on the door because somebody shut the door and probably somebody on the other side doesn't want you to open the door. This isn't rocket science. Are you with me? When you shut the door in prayer, what you're saying is, I am occupied with God. And it's a sign that no one's to come in, nobody's to interrupt you, nobody's to bother you. The door is closed, the TV is not on, your phone is not on, it's just you and the Lord. And let me even just say this, sometimes it's good to turn the music off. I love worshiping the Lord and reading my Bible to praise music. It's such a great environment. Sometimes I read, then I go to worship, then I read, then I go to worship. But listen to me, sometimes silence is the best. Because when it's totally quiet guess what? Your ability to hear God's voice increases incredibly uh, because you're not even singing songs and filling your head with Christian stuff. You're shutting out all the distractions. You know, I love the missionary Jim Elliott, missionary martyr to Ecuador. This is what he said. He said, I think the devil has made it his business to monopolize three elements, noise, hurry, and crowds. How many of you know if your mind is full of noise or you're in an environment where there's lots of noise, it'll drown out the voice of God? If you're constantly in a hurry and you have no time to stop and just to sit, you're going to miss the voice of God. And if you're in a big crowd and you're always surrounded with people, you're going to miss the voice of God. I want to say this to some young people that are here. You know, it's great being in an environment where you have lots of Christian young people in the church to hang out with, and I'm grateful for our youth group. 
I'm grateful for all the relationships. But let me just tell you this. The times I grew the most in my relationship with God were the times when I sat in my bedroom alone with him after a high school football game when all my friends were out partying or something like that. And I went and I hid, I hid alone in my room with God. Times when I was lonely. Times when I was experiencing maybe rejection. Times when I was wanting to be holy and wanting to live a godly life, but I felt the pressures around me pulling me other directions. You know what? When I got alone with God, God encountered me. And God changed me. In the midst of having great friends, and I'm so grateful for great friends, make sure you have time alone with God so he can mess with you. And so God can love you and encounter you. So, so important. You know, some of you moms are going, I I can read your minds because I was married to a great mom of eight children. And I know what you're thinking, Pastor, when am I supposed to find no hurry, no crowds, and no noise? I'm a mom. All right? Well, praise God for history, all right? Some of you have heard of Susanna Wesley. How many of you have heard of Susanna Wesley? She married. She was married to a good old pastor named Sam Wesley, all right? They had 19 children. Only 10 of them survived to adulthood. How many of you know we're, we're living in a much easier time as it relates to life? Back in those days, if children uh, lived past the early years, it was, it was a blessing. Many of them did not. They died of various sicknesses, diseases. It was just harsh. It was a harsh time to live. Nineteen children, ten of them survived. And she had a pastor, husband as a pastor. He preached the truth. Many people didn't like him. The ones that didn't like him burnt their crops down one year, attacked their cow one year so it wouldn't give milk. Uh, they went through all kinds of these constant irritations. Um, They went through financial difficulty, and in the midst of her day, Susanna Wesley, raising 10 children, would tell her children, when mama puts her apron over her head, that means do not disturb. I'm spending time with the Lord. And she would sit in the middle of her crazy, chaotic family and put her apron over her head, and she would cry out to God. How many of you know when you cry out to God, not because you're being religious, but because you need him? Not because it's prayer time and you're going to go through a prayer ritual, but because someone just attacked your milk cow on purpose so that you have no milk. Someone just burnt your field down and now you have no crops. That's a time when you throw your apron over your head and you cry out to God. It's interesting that out of 19 children, two of them became somewhat famous, didn't they? We had Charles Wesley who wrote 9,000 hymns over the course of his lifetime, 9,000 songs that came out of that man's life. And of course, we had John Wesley who preached to over a million people with no loudspeakers, no stadiums, just in the sound of his voice, preached to over a million people. How do you raise up sons like that? I think we forget the power of a mom who found a secret place in the midst of chaos, and cried out to God. One of my favorites is John Patton. John Patton was a missionary to the New Hebrides Islands, which were at the time were so full of darkness and witchcraft and perversion that the two missionaries that went to that island before him were instantly murdered and eaten. They were cannibals on the island. They were murdered and eaten as soon as they set foot on the shore. John Patton received the call to take up their mantle and to take his newlywed bride and to go to those islands to preach the gospel. When I read his story, I thought, how do you raise up sons that have a passion to go where nobody's gone? 
Well, then I started reading about John Patton's dad. John Patton's dad was a simple shoe cobbler. He would fix fix shoes. He was they didn't have a lot of money, but in their tiny little cottage there was a closet. Every day at the same time, John Patton's dad would grab a globe, a simple globe, and he would take that globe into that closet. It was right it was a pantry. Close the door, and he would cry out to God for the saving of unreached nations that had never heard of God before. Every day, little John Patton is walking through the kitchen, hearing his dad, and seeing the devotion on his dad's life, and hearing the cries coming out of his dad's heart, and watching his dad embrace a globe and hold it to his chest. And John Patton, or John Patton's dad was never able to go himself, but John Patton's dad's prayer life, because he found the secret place, his prayer life, launched a missionary that was said when he landed there, there was nothing but darkness. And when he left there, there was nothing but light. How did that happen? It happens because there is a place called a secret place of the Most High God. It is a place where normal people like us are invited to encounter God and that God wants to meet with us and talk to us and speak to us. It's a place where weak people can find strength. It's a place where sick people can find healing. It's a place where hopeless people can find hope in God. And the cool thing is it's available to everybody here under the sound of my voice today. How amazing is that? So we have to pray, and we have to go away, and we have to be by ourselves, and we have to shut the door. But this is what I want you to see. The Bible says, your father is waiting in the secret place. Can you imagine whatever that place is that you determine is going to be your place to go and meet with God, that before you arrive, God just said in his word, he is waiting for you to show up. Now, the most important person I've ever met or had the pleasure of going into their office is our now Vice President, Mike Pence. I had the pleasure of going into his office and meeting with him when he was governor. I'll tell you what, I put on some nice clothes, I brushed my teeth, I, I made my hair ready, all right, um, and I, I, I went into that office because I respected the office and I respected the man in the office. Can you imagine that the creator of the universe just told you he is waiting for you in the secret place? He's wait, he has a set appointment with you in the secret place. See, sometimes we come into prayer and we're looking for the presence of God, waiting for the presence of God. What this verse tells us is that God's already there. What we need to do is acknowledge his presence when we're there in, in, in his presence. We need to acknowledge who he is. We need to acknowledge that he's there. Some people are looking for this sign or this wonder or burning bush or whatever. God just told you he's waiting for you in the secret place. How do we respond? We respond in faith. We believe that what he says is true. We believe that he wants to meet with us. We believe that he's there. Listen to Psalm 130 verse 5. I wait patiently for the Lord. My soul expectantly waits. And in his word, I hope. Can you see the posture? You get alone, and I appreciate David because David understands, listen to me, he understands life is hard. It's okay to say amen to that. Life is hard. 
There are obstacles, challenges, ups and downs, things you will go through, relational things that happen, attacks, financial attacks, attacks on your body. Life is hard. But David, after all those years of walking with God, knew that there was a refuge, a secret place where he could be hidden in the presence of the Lord and where he would be like in a fortress of God's glory and presence. And he, here's what he did. He opened his spirit to God and he waited on the Lord. It's like a child looking up to dad. Or how about this is a better example. It's like your faithful dog who's sitting at your feet, tail wagging, looking at you like, please pet me or please give me a piece of whatever that is you're eating. You all know what I'm talking about. It's that, it's that dog look. Oh, he's not barking or jumping on you. He, he's sitting there, but he's waiting patiently, looking to the hand of his master to, to bless him, to pet him, to show him affection. That's the posture we come before God with. We're just like, Lord, here I am. I'm waiting on you, Father. And I know I, my hope is in your goodness displayed over my life. Listen to this. We shared last week about the fact that God wants to speak to us. I want to get this in your heart. Look at Psalm 62, verse 11. The psalmist says, God has spoken plainly, and I've heard it many times. I mean, you know, the testimony of an Old Testament saint was that I have heard the voice of God spoken plainly to me many times. How many of you know it is an absolute crisis that there would be Christians today that say, I've never heard God's voice? Or that there be Christians today who only limit the voice of God to the reading of the Scripture. I told you we need to pray the Scriptures. We need to be immersed in the Scriptures. But listen to me. As we're in the Scriptures, in the presence of God, God will speak through the Scriptures and to you through the Holy Spirit. And you should be be able to say, over the course of your life, I have heard the voice of God speak many times. I just want to ask you, can you say that? I have heard the voice of God many times. Pastor, how do you know that? Well, let's go to the next verse. Look at Psalm 95, verse 7. The Holy Spirit crying out, if you would only listen to his voice today. If you would only listen to his voice today. Whose voice? God's voice. It is a pleading with God's people that today you would carve out time to sit in the presence of God and to listen for his voice. You know, here's what I would like to to pray over you and challenge you. It's like a double dog dare challenge. Because I've talked to Christians like this. Pastor, God just doesn't speak to me. God just doesn't speak to me. Well, I got two things to say with you. Either you're not his sheep, but you can be. Because the Bible is clear that he speaks to his sheep. He speaks to his own. And you might be not a sheep yet, but we can solve that problem. Jesus can save you today. Or you might be a sheep who's always out with the rest of the sheep hanging out and you're always in a hurry and you haven't ever carved out time to encounter God or to cry out to him or to say, Lord, I really want to know you. Here's my challenge to you. Next Sunday, I'm going to ask you this question. How many of you heard the voice of God speak to you personally this week? And I'm going to ask you that question. This is a dare. And this is what I'd like you to do. I want you to practice all the lifelines we said. Pray, talk to the Lord. Read the scriptures, pray the scriptures, meditate on the scriptures, and then be quiet. And let God speak to your heart. Our dear sister last week, she said God called me by name, and he mentioned my husband by name, and he told me this, I've got it covered, it's going to be okay. When God calls you by name and gives you a word over your situation, I'm telling you it leaves a mark. 
And let me just ask you this question. How do I know God wants to speak to you all next week? Because he said, if you listen to his voice today. Everybody say today. There is a word for you today. Now listen, you're not going to get inspired and write a new chapter in the Bible. That's not what we're saying. That's heretical. That's that's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying this. It could be as simple as as the Lord saying to you, you know what? I love you. I'm proud of you. Hey, Jeff, I just want you to know I love you, and I'm proud of you. You're a great son. Proud of you. I mean, you know, that leaves a mark when you know God just spoke to you. We need to hear the voice of God. We need to expect the voice of God. We need to be people that are familiar with the voice of God. I'm going to end with two more quick points. Point number six, your father sees what's done in secret. This is one of my favorite verses for parenting. Jeremiah 23, verse 24. Can anyone hide from me in a secret place, the Lord says? Am I not everywhere in all the heavens and the earth? That'll put the fear of God in you right there. Where are you going to hide? I've said this to my children before. You know, mom and dad can't go with you everywhere. But God watches everything. You can't hide from him. You're on a short leash. We've already, we, we've already dedicated you to the Lord. It's too late. You all know what I'm talking about. You can run, but you cannot hide. That's good news and bad news all at the same time. How many of you know, here's the good news side of it. When I come into the secret place because I've chosen to set my heart towards the Lord, the Lord in heaven sees. Now, this is awesome. What is God looking for in the earth? Faith. Sons and daughters. People who love him. People who want to be with him. How many of you know there's not going to be a single person in heaven who doesn't want to be there? God's not dragging anybody in. Well, you'll you'll get used to it. Hang out here for a few billion years. Are you kidding? Heaven's a place full of people who love God, people that love Jesus, people who love his presence. That's the whole point of eternity. There's not going to be anybody there that doesn't love God. I'm just telling you this, that those times when you're going through something, let me speak to the men here. As leaders of your family, when the crisis hits or the financial struggle hits or, or the family issue hits or the marital rub hits and God sees you and he sees you, trust me, you don't fall into profanity, cussing at people, cursing God, Uh, murmuring, gossip. No, when the fire comes and God sees you make your way alone by yourself to that prayer closet and you close that door and you hit the ground and you seek his face. I'm telling you, God sees that man. The eyes of God are fixed on that kind of a man. And God is waiting to bless that kind of a man. And listen, men, when you lead that way and your wife, the kids are saying, where's dad? Dad's in the secret place interceding on our behalf. Your kids start going, whoa. Your wife starts going, I want to be married to a man like that. Oh, I am married to a man like that. Woo! That gets me excited. Because godliness is sexy. Your wife needs to know you're not going to cave in, fall apart, crumble. You're going to go find God in a secret place. 
And you're going to come out with a word because you've learned how to hear from God. You're going to come out with confidence and faith. And if you were depressed, you're coming out with your head up because God's the lifter of your head. If you're, if you're under it and you're overwhelmed and you don't know what to do and you say, God, I don't know what to do, you're going to come out with a sense of peace and a calm in the midst of the storm and you're going to come out with wisdom from God to know what to do. That's what happens with men of God. We're not supposed to have it all together. We're weak. We're selfish. We're broken. We don't know the plan. That's why we have wives. They help us with plans, right? But we need help. And what's God expecting of us? Find the secret place. God is waiting for you. And God sees you. And I'm going to end with this. This is stunning. There are people that say, well, you should never do anything out of a desire to be blessed. That is a a half-truth lie from the devil. You should never give because you want to be blessed. That's the only reason to give. I'm not talking about selfishness. Bless me, bless me, bless me, because it's all about me. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about this. God challenges us over and over in the Word with promises that are conditional. They're conditional. Let me show you what I'm talking about. Look at the way this verse ends. It says that the God who sees you in secret, will reward you. And it says in the King James Version, the Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Openly. Listen to what God says to us. I, I got a tiny bit ahead of myself. Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 14. Some of us need to get this in our spirit. This is the Lord speaking. This is the, this is the, the lover speaking to his beloved. In the sheltered and secret place... Let me see your face. Let me hear your voice. For your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. Here's what some of us need to do this week. You just need to start with that verse right there. And you need to say, Lord, this is what you're declaring over me. Did you hear what God said about you? Your face is beautiful. It's lovely. God loves to look you in the face. You know, there are so many men in here. Your father wasn't around. Your father uh, might have been a workaholic. Your father might have left the family. You might not have even known your father. Your father might have passed away when you were young. There's all kinds of father wounds and father issues. But this is amazing to me that the king of glory, who introduces himself as our dad, says this about me. I love, son, to look you in the face. And I love to hear your voice. What would that do to our prayer life if we just meditated on that? I think there are still men who hang their head in shame because you're still embarrassed over what you did in the past. You're embarrassed that you're not where you think you should be. You're embarrassed because maybe you had a marriage that failed or maybe this isn't perfect or maybe you blew it here. And God's telling you, lift up your face. I want to look at you. I want to express my affection for you and I want you to talk to me because when I hear your voice, it does something on the inside of me. God knows your voice. And God says you're beautiful. And God wants you to look into his face and get the shame off of you and the guilt off of you and realize you can be yourself and that you can express your affection and you can be raw and real and you can be still in sin and wrestling with sin. And God still says, look at me, look at me, look at me. See, you can't have a relationship with a God. I'm making a mess up here. You can't have a relationship with a God 
who, is, who you don't think is crazy about you. You'll never want to pray to a God who you think is angry about you and wants to punish you all the time. What changes you is when love melts you down and meets needs in your heart that you can't meet any other way and it transforms us as men to be lovers of God. See, we're looking for love in all the wrong places. God's trying to encounter us with his love so that we're changed and we lift our face up and we look at him with confidence and we know the Father's saying, I am so proud of you. I am so glad you're my son. You bring me such joy. And to the daughters in this house, you are beautiful to me. And I can't wait till you get here, this secret place, because I love to hear your voice. Wow, some of you ladies need to hear this this morning. You are cherished. You are absolutely cherished by your heavenly Father. He is so crazy about you. He says you're beautiful. He loves to look you in the eyes as a pure father, a pure father's heart and say, you are precious to me. See, that's the, that is the, the seeing God that looks at us, knows every part of us, and still loves us and still affirms us. And God says, this God says, I'm going to reward in open what you're doing in secret. Psalm, I'm closing with this, Psalm 91. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge. He is my fortress. He is my God. In Him will I trust. You know, when you're in that secret place, the Bible says you're standing in the shadows. And the reason you're in the shadows is because God is so big that when we come into His presence... We're standing in the shadows of the Almighty. And in the place of God's sheltering love and affection for us, that's when we begin to make some declarations. And some of you need to make some declarations this week. You know, when the enemy's after you or after your fruit or after your seed, you need to make some declarations to the Lord. God, you're my God. Lord, you're my refuge. Lord, you're my strength. In you, Lord, I'm going to put my trust. God's watching all this, and he's waiting to move on our behalf and to reward us. You drop down to verse 14. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I'm going to answer them. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue them. I will honor them. I will reward them. I will show them a long life. I will give them my salvation. God is a rewarder of those who seek him. And he is no respecter of persons. And every time you're on your face and you're shedding those tears and you're pouring your heart out to God, I want you to know God sees and God rewards. That's the nature of who he is. So talk to him this week. Get away. Get alone. Close the door. And open up your heart like that little puppy dog looking to daddy. Open up your heart. Look into the master and just say, Lord, I'm waiting. God, here I am. Read, meditate. Let the fire start getting connected in your heart. And let me just say this as husbands and wives. This same principle works in your marriage. We all grow distant. We grow cold if we do not maintain a fervency in our hearts. One of the things we teach our men is this principle. When you come home from work, first thing you do, find your wife. First thing you do, look at your wife. Honey, where'd my wife go? Is she out of here? She's changing diapers, right? She's, okay, she's, all right, anyway. I was going to do a role model, but it's not going to work because I can't do the same thing to my daughter. That would be weird. All right, so anyway. <laughs> but you come home and you find your wife and you look at your wife and you say this, honey, 
How was your day? What's been going on? Hey, can I help you with whatever? Hey, let me do the dishes. Go sit down. Some of you guys will be like, what? Uh, <laughs> what happened? What's going on with the kids? Uh, what can I do for you? Can I help get the dinner on the table? And you're looking at her. And in your look, you're going, I love you. You're the greatest thing in my life. I love to hear your voice. I love to look into your face. I'm telling you, you do that every day, you're going to have a rocking marriage. Or you can go sit on the, on the couch like King Tut and wait to be served grapes and be fanned and, and uh, wait for your servant lady to show up. Are you kidding me? Or you can go love your wife. And what are you doing? You're connecting heart to heart with her because you've been away. You find the secret place in your wife's heart, just like we find the secret place with our Lord. It has to be regular and consistent. You don't just do this on Valentine's Day. You've got to develop a lifestyle where you pursue your wife's heart. That was all extra. Marriage class is at 4 o'clock today. <laughs> 4 o'clock today. Stand your feet. We're going to pray. Stand your feet. Can you do something with me? Can you open your, your heart and your mouth right now to the Lord and just create a posture where you're letting all the walls down and where you're just saying, God, I want to know you, and God, I want you to love my heart to life, and I want to be a son or I want to be a daughter. Lord, here we are. This is not religion. This is about having an encounter with you, about walking with you, about knowing you. Lord, we want the whole church to know you. We want everybody in this church to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Lord, help us to find that secret place. Help us to create it. Help us to close the door. Help us to get there. Help us to meet you there. And Lord, we thank you that as we meet you, we will ravish your heart. And God, that you will hear our prayers. You will answer our prayers. And God, you will grow us up to be men and women who look and act like your son Jesus. That's what we're after, Lord. So help us. Bless our church family this week, Lord. Pour out your grace and your glory on every person here. And Lord, on those that couldn't be here, we pray that you'd wrap your loving arms around them as well. Bless those that are going through difficult times right now. In fact, if you're here this morning, you don't know the Lord, or if you're here this morning and you need prayer, our leadership team will be up front after the service. We want to pray for you. We love you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a great day, a great week. Remember, I'm going to ask you a question next week.